I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Dragging pensions out of the Stone Age, how technology will transform the way we manage our retirement savings, and how to make pensions less boring for younger savers. A former pensions minister tells us why it's time to ditch the pensions brand. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Josephine Cumbo, the FT's pensions correspondent, and I'll be hosting a special edition of the show looking at the future of retirement income. Technology is transforming the way we manage money in so many ways, from smartphones that double as bank accounts, to contactless payments, to giving voice instructions to your phone to make transfers. But all the benefits of the digital revolution have largely bypassed the world of pensions, which remains solidly anchored in a paper-based era. But all this could change in the near future as providers spend millions of pounds bringing pensions into the 21st century. I'm joined by Alastair McQueen, Savings and Retirement Manager with Aviva, a UK pension provider, to discuss the digital future of pensions. Welcome, Alastair. Thanks, Josephine. Alistair, banking customers can do so much now with their mobile phones. Why have pensions been left behind? Yeah, I'm not going to challenge your perception that pensions have been left behind. In your introduction there, you used the phrase the Stone Age. It was actually Aviva's chief executive, Mark Wilson, who described our industry as being in the Stone Age when it came to technology. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. Why are we in the Stone Age? I think there's two things I'd identify. One is... Levels of engagement amongst our savers for a number of years have been very low. They've not been pushing us for this level of engagement in technology. We in Aviva, we did a survey recently and people have told us, you know, they'd actually rather do some vacuuming than look at their pension statements. So engagement is very low. There's not been that pressure for new tools, new online services. And secondly, historically, pensions have been paternalistically provided for people. Either the state have done it for them or their employer has done it for them. And so people have been able to rely on other people engaging on their behalf. But things are changing. Two things I'd say that are changing. One, the responsibility is being transferred from the state and the employer onto the individual. It's now up to us to decide where we invest our money largely and how much we want to save. So our personal responsibility is now on our shoulders. And secondly, in 2015, The government pretty much tore up the rules about what people could do with their money at retirement, called the pension freedoms. And with that freedom comes, again, more responsibility. So the baton of responsibility, I would argue, has been shifted from the state and the employer to the individual. It's really our responsibility now to take 
that baton and run with it and technology can really play a big part in helping us there. Okay, so the pressure is going to come from customers to up your game. So what innovations are on the horizon? Yeah, I think I'd identify four areas of activity where we're already seeing some innovation. I'd start by maybe looking at that foundation, the state pension. People can now request the state pension forecast online and 400,000 people have been doing that in the past year, so people are engaging. For people who are approaching the retirement, there's a service called Pension Wise to help people understand their options and over two and a half million people have gone online to understand what they can do there. And inside pension companies like Aviva, we have a plethora of tools now online to help people manage their pensions and understand how much they may be getting in retirement. In Aviva, for example, we've got a tool we call a retirement planner and and over 200,000 people have gone online in the last year to try and model what it is they've got and how much they may get when they get to retirement. So technology is coming on stream from the state, from service providers like Aviva and from the advice market, and people have got an appetite to use it. But it'd be a brave person, I think, to sit here today and say where exactly technology will take us in the future. Nobody would have guessed Twitter or Uber. So I think the challenge is not to guess what will come over the horizon, but to foster a sort of culture of innovation and experimentation so that we can make the most of the technology. One of the big problems for many people now in managing their their money, their their pensions, is that they can't see everything in one place. So how can technology resolve that challenge. Exactly. And I think this is one which is live on the table now. It's coming under the headline of a concept called a pensions dashboard. You're right. We all now normally have a multiple of pension pots that we'll build up through our working career, maybe up to 11, 12 different employers, 11, 12 different pension pots. And to date, it's been our responsibility as an individual to keep bits of paper in drawers and say, I've got this here and that elsewhere. And this is very confusing. And can we not surely use technology to try and join up these different pension plans? And this is something which the government are supporting and the industry is trying to put in place. Something called a pensions dashboard, which would, in simple terms, present to the saver on his screen the various pension pots that they may have to, and to see them all in one place. And then they're in a much better place to manage it. It's a big challenge. There's a lot of old systems behind the scenes so nobody's going to say it's easy but it's one that we want to rise to and we've actually said publicly we hope to have some form of prototype of this system online by spring 2017 with a view to having it fully launched in 2019 so a real tangible way in which technology can help people manage their many multiple pension pots that they may have. Well I'm sure there'll be many people looking forward to technology moving the pensions industry forward as well. Thanks very much there to Alistair McQueen of Aviva and you can read more about how technology will change pensions in future in this weekend's FT Money. Now to the tricky job of managing your money in retirement. Not so long ago, most people were buying an annuity when they retired, and this gave them a secure and steady income for the rest of their lives. But growing numbers of retirees are now opting to keep their pension funds invested in riskier income drawdown products where the money is left invested typically in the stock market. This trend has been driven by the pension freedoms which remove the near requirement for pension savers to buy an annuity. But while the freedoms have been welcomed by over 55s, there are concerns that people are going into drawdown without a plan and are at greater risk of running out of money. Now, joining me to discuss the ins and outs of drawdown and who should go into it and who shouldn't is Billy Burrows, an independent drawdown and annuity expert. Welcome to the show, Billy. 
Hello. So a drawdown has grown in popularity, but it wasn't so long ago that this strategy was considered too risky for most people. So what's changed? Well, that's right. In the old days, you needed £100,000 to make a drawdown viable. Since pension freedoms, annuities have gone out of favour and drawdown is now more interesting so and exciting advisor wouldn't for really take you on if you didn't have more than £100,000. Well, that's right. right. I mean, it, it's both what's you know right for the individual, but also, of course, you know the regulator takes this very seriously as well. Okay. So it's things have changed because of the pension freedoms largely people have more option to go into these drawdown products. But what can go wrong in drawdown? Well, there are three things that can go wrong. First of all, you could end up with less income. Secondly, the value of the pension pot could fall. And thirdly, and most extreme, you could simply just run out of money. Okay, so they're three pretty big risks. So how should you go about approaching developing a plan for drawdown? Well, the first thing is to decide how much income to draw. And then secondly, you know, what is the appropriate investment risk? Keep it simple. Investing your money from a drawdown is quite different to investing your money when you save up. And the reason is the so-called sequence of return risk. How do you know how much money to draw down every year? You don't know how long you're going to live and what returns are going to be like in future. It's such a complicated decision to make or to take. So is there any guidance on how much money to draw down? Well, there are two approaches. One approach is to look at the income from an annuity and then to take a similar income from drawdown. But in America, for example, where drawdown is the norm, the academics reckon 4% is the magic figure, but that's probably reduced now to 3.5%. Right. Okay. So it's more of an art, (laughs) would you say, rather than a science. And it's very difficult for a lot of people to do. But annuities aren't as popular anymore as they used to be, but certainly they still have a role to play in retirement strategies. Well, that's right. I think there's a technical bit about annuities with the so-called mortality you know, cross-subsidy. And again, keep it simple. If you get to the age of 75, it might make sense you know, putting your money into an annuity. But at 60, probably drawdown. So I think the clever money is going into drawdown in younger ages. Then as people get older, you know, buy security, buy annuities as you get older. Okay, so that was very good to hear all your thoughts there on income drawdown, Billy Burrows. Thank you. And finally, pensions are too off-putting for young people and need a radical makeover. This is the view of a former pensions minister who believes that big changes are needed to make saving for later life more appealing to millennials. Joining me in the studio to discuss his views is Steve Webb, who was Pensions Minister between 2010 and 2015, and who is now Director of Policy with Royal London. Now, Steve, you still hold the record as the UK's longest serving pensions minister, but you argue that the pensions brand is in due for a rebrand or a makeover. Why do you think pensions are unappealing to younger people today? I always used to say that I was the minister for a subject that never appeared in the headlines without the word crisis or scandal attached. And really, we've been using this word pensions, and it's an, you know it's a bit of a switch off to everybody, frankly, but particularly to young people. So they hear all the stories in the papers, their parents tell them of their horror stories. And you know, as a young person, you probably think you'll live forever. You can't imagine yourself old, and people start talking about pensions. It's just a huge barrier. It probably always has been. But I think perhaps particularly at the moment when perhaps there's more pressure for instant gratification, for consumption, getting people to think about themselves in 40, 50 years time is a huge hurdle. Right. So the pensions brand is toxic and off-putting to younger people. How can you change the need to save for later life or rebrand it to make it more appealing to younger people? 
I think the biggest problem that the industry's had, and I've probably played my part in it, is that when we tell people they need to save more, it's like we're rebuking them. They're being bad citizens. They're, you know, they ought to sort themselves out and, and be disciplined. And actually, we need to see pension pots, funds, as the way you get freedom. They ought to be freedom funds, not pension funds, because actually having a decent pension pot means, for example, you can choose when you want to stop working. You don't have to go on doing a job you hate forever. You can actually stop. You can choose how you want to live your later life. You know, you enjoy leisure and all of the things that a good retirement can be made of. And yet we somehow seem to be saying to people, no, you're, you're bad people because you're not saving. And really we ought to be saying this is about you. So, for example, when you put money into your freedom fund, this ought to be about paying yourself first. It's not about sacrifice and, you know, doing the right thing. It's about thinking about this is about you and actually what you would want for yourself if you can transport yourself forward in time. A lot of young people nowadays think that they're not going to get the retirement that their parents did. And why bother? Do you think just rebranding it is going to be enough to get people motivated, younger people to save? What's very striking when you talk to younger people is that many of them don't think there will be a state pension at all, which is remarkable levels of cynicism, really. But, you know, that's what they say. They wonder if they'll ever retire. And, of course, the reality is if this generation are going to live into, you know, well into their 80s and 90s, actually they may well have a retirement, not necessarily a, you know, an all or nothing retirement, but a long period of 20, 25, 30 years when they're not in paid work. And the challenge, I think, is to get realistic amounts of money put by. And I think for as long as we just say, well, auto-enrolments fix the problem because we've got lots of people saving now, we're missing the point. Because auto-enrolment's great, it's got millions of under-40s into pension saving, but they're putting threatens hate in each we really need to build on that. Mm. So the pensions minister, you were for five years, so how would you rebrand that job? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always used to say that I wanted David Cameron to call me the Minister for Retirement Solutions or something like that because that's what all the private sector jobs are called. But it's got to be about enabling people to see I mean again retirement is a strange concept I think you know for me indeed it's changing as well a- in a lifetime the thought of being retired horrifies me actually because I like to be busy I like to be active I like to be stimulated and this sort of notion of a period of sipping tea watching countdown just doesn't work for people so I think we need to say to people this is about you it's not about doing things for other people it's about your future giving you choices because the one thing you don't want in the future is not to have choice You don't want to have to work on, do things you hate simply because you didn't make the plans earlier. So a change in mindset is needed as part of the solution, uh, overcoming the challenges of young people not saving enough for retirement. So thanks there to Steve Webb, former pensions minister and now director of policy with Royal London. And you can read more about the future of retirement income in our in-depth feature in this weekend's FT. That's it from the FT Money Show this week. We'll be back same time, same place next week. The Money Show was edited by Feline Reyes. For now, it's goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this, you might like to try our Hard Currency podcast presented by me, Roger Blitz, the FT's Currencies Correspondent. Each week, I discuss the main talking points in the markets with experts in the field. You can find our latest show at ft.com slash podcasts every Thursday. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.